Hello and welcome to another episode of CryptoCast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Henry Burris, who is a co-founder of Alico Analytics, which is a specialist due diligence provider for the digital asset sector. Hi Henry, a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you and thanks for having me. So people talk a lot about due diligence, but I think one of the things that's worth just sort of starting off with is why do people bother with due diligence and, and when is it actually important to do due diligence? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. The, the due diligence means a lot of different things, a lot of different people, um, and it can go right the way from, you know, uh, hiring somebody, onboarding, uh, right the way through to very in-depth due diligence, which takes into consideration not just public record research, but also um, discrete inquiries with people on the ground, wherever that might be in the world. Um, and so there are a whole range of reasons why you might consider due diligence. Uh, a large proportion of that in the financial sector is pre-transaction due diligence, reputational due diligence, as it were. Who am I getting into bed with before I do this deal? Uh, are there any issues that I should be aware of before I go ahead with the transaction? Um, just getting to know a bit more about the people that you're dealing with. Um, and typically that will be in places around the world that are complex, um, potentially quite hostile places, but also just, you know, it, it's prudent to do due diligence on somebody that you're doing a deal with, regardless of where it is in the world, because you need to know um, who, you're, who you're dealing with. Um, and so there are a whole host of, of reasons for doing that. that the, the in terms of onboarding, in terms of the, certainly the crypto sector, it's very much um, at the at the onboarding end of things. Um, regulations are such now that that there are requirements for due diligence for onboarding customers uh, if you're an exchange or a payment service. So we're only at that end of the scale. We, we haven't really got to the to the where financial services are in the, in the due diligence world, as it were. But we're certainly moving that way. Uh, and, and it's interesting because um, I'm. The, the some things like due diligence you see a lot of in the more traditional sectors, but would you say due diligence for in the world of crypto is effectively just the same as that for due diligence you'd have in any other transactional scenario, or are there actually is there something specific in the world of crypto to be more aware of? Well, in the world of crypto, um, because I think the, the sector is slightly. It's less mature than financial services, certainly. And so in the 80s, you had the introduction of due diligence, counterparty due diligence in the financial sector. And it was the beginnings of what is now a huge industry. And I think with crypto, we're in that initial phases of it where we are just finding out how best to go about doing due diligence. Obviously, within the prism of, of uh, a sector that actually integrates a lot of different aspects to how you might go about doing that. Aren't traditional financial transactions, they're crypto transactions. And so with specific to the crypto sector, there is information that you can derive from your customers about their crypto transactions that might be useful in the due diligence process. So the obvious one would be the question around source of funds. In the financial services sector, a bank might come to us and say, yeah, we just want to check that this where this person made their money and that is a process of public record research to determine what they do what they did how they earned their funds where their success came from and, and so on and so forth 
but in the crypto space, you can really quite literally get to granular detail about their crypto transactions um, and how their money has been derived, where it's been derived from, uh, to up to the point at which you're about to onboard and take that, those funds. So there are a number of really interesting questions that are very specific and new to crypto that we're now beginning to grapple with about how to how to integrate those processes. Yeah, it's really interesting because actually, I think that raises a broader question of kind of what you can do and what you should do, which I think is an interesting dynamic, because if you can do more, should you do any more? One yeah. of the things I, I also see is I've seen certain people come out and say, well, because there's, there's a tendency for pseudonymization for certain forms of crypto asset, that stops any proper ability to do due diligence on them because you don't know who's doing what. Do you feel that that's a myth or do you think there's, there's actually an issue from a source of wealth perspective with the way these crypto assets operate? It's certainly, certainly true that you have to be extremely careful about what you do um, and the extent to which you do it because there is potentially so... Blockchain technology is so powerful and there is so much you can do with it and there is so much information and analysis that you could conduct and, and glean from this that um, potentially you, you, you find yourself in a situation where making decisions is really difficult because you've got risks at every corner, you've got potential concerns all over the place and then suddenly you, you've, you may, the sector may well find themselves in a, in a position where innovation is being stifled because information is so freely available and the ability to analyze data and transactions for your potential customers uh, presents so a myriad, myriad number of risks, which makes it far more difficult to um, onboard and get comfortable with the risks. So that I think there should be limitations as to how far you go. Um, it, it's really important that, I mean, this is a broader debate, right, that's going on in, in the sector anyway about meeting regulations and the requirements for privacy and how do you balance those i don't think anyone's really got the right answer yet but and we have to be careful um when you you know there's a lot of companies out there that can analyze blockchain transactions and tell you a lot of data about what they're up to and also you know the ability to say i can see your transaction here but i can also see 10 transactions back and there's a dark web marketplace or a hack or a scam now, the, 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 the determination of what risk you apply to your customer, know, knowing that, is also up for debate. It's also a really live, open question. And this whole issue of, of what level of risk we should apply to, to the, the, the realm of due diligence when we look at these things is really crucial. I actually think we've got to be a little bit careful. I'd be a bit hesitant to provide um, clients with too much data because, as I said, then their ability to make the right decisions about the risks is actually, in, in, a weird, in a weird way, it's actually hampered by having too much information at your fingertips and not knowing what to do with it. And it's quite interesting because I think one of, one of the issues you get into is what is or is not proportionate. And that's always a difficult fine line to, to tread because the more cautious people always want to take a stronger view and after a while that view may no longer be one which means that you can actually credibly exist within the space. Mm. I think one of the interesting things seeing is, is kind of how the regulators have approached this and MLD5 is causing a bit of a headache because 
whereas most European legislation works on a harmonisation principle, so we, most of Europe takes a similar approach. What's interesting from a lawyer's perspective is how countries have taken completely different approaches as to how they deal with the fifth money laundering directive. Mm. And in terms of specifically due diligence, how would you feel that the new developments in MLD5 have impacted the crypto sector? It, it's, it's, it's certainly brought, in, in my opinion, a, you know, five years ago, the crypto sector was um, extremely niche um, and it was a group of quite hardcore guys that were very hot on things like privacy. And I think, and, and rightly so, and, and I think 5AMLD really pushes up against that because you're asking people in the crypto sector to hand over information about either you or your customers in order to do business. And uh, the sector has gone through and is kind of still going through that process of um, getting to grips with that. Um, you know, that the, the really is a process, as I said previously, that, that the financial services have gone through already. Um, you know, bringing in a level of professionalism into the sector that comes with regulations. There is a certain level of clarity as well, inevitably, with what companies are required to do. Um, obviously, that that then raises concerns for the smaller businesses that maybe don't can't assume the costs of of compliance. Um, you know, there there are big issues to be to re resolve there. But in terms of due diligence, I mean, five AMLD requires companies to do customer due diligence, so that's traditional onboarding, um, and it also requires them to submit, uh, you know, suspicious activity reports. Um, and those two things, there's not everything, I'm just picking out those two things, they're kind of crucial for the long-term viability and su survival of the, of the crypto sector and the expansion of it into the mainstream, because it's important that customers, anybody that's new to crypto feels comfortable that um, the companies that they're interacting with, be they payment services, exchanges, custody services, whatever, um, are putting those policies and procedures in place. And there is a regulatory framework through which everybody globally operates. And yeah, I know that there has been some pushback because the, the argument is that it erodes privacy. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I totally get that argument, but, but if, if the crypto sector is gonna be around for long term, I think it's inevitable that we have to assimilate um, these, these kind of regulations and these frameworks in. With regards to, you know, various countries looking at 5AMLD differently, yeah, that's a that's a that's a big problem. Um, I, I do think it, it creates a good framework, and there is certain levels of interpretation. I know the FCA obviously is going through its registration process that it started in January. Um, you know, I've I've heard a lot of interesting opinions about how that process is happening and working. You know, it, it isn't just a high get how you doing get to know you kind of registration process that most people expected it's it's more akin to an authorization i think that's you know I, I hope i hope that's a good thing um i hope that means that the fca are taking a a sensible and prudent approach to getting to grips with this sector and realizing that they need to understand it more thoroughly than they previously have done um and i i, I you know i think the fca is probably leading leading the pack in in europe certainly on this i know that baffin are looking at ways to to regulate the crypto sector, but um, you know that there is no one size fits all approach. 
might be the issue for crypto going forward. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that we'll have to see how things pan out. Uh, that's really interesting, actually. One of the things I always find funny is crypto and, and blockchain always gets the most scrutiny because it's always deemed high risk. And as a result, everyone's always cautious and always wants to put in kind of the best possible approach. And one of the interesting things I've always seen is sometimes something which comes out of the crypto and blockchain space pushes the rest of us to up our game in, in other sectors. Yeah. So in, in this one, one of the things I always find quite funny is when you do due diligence as a lawyer, you tend to ask the other side questions, they answer those questions, and then you analyze what they say back to you. But do you think that given the level of innovation and change and, and the new ways of doing things in, in the crypto assets and blockchain sector, do you think that's going to change the way people do due diligence in, in other sectors and, and more broadly? Do you think there's kind of lessons for other people to learn in terms of how you can do diligence, which isn't just a sort of paper-based Q&A type exercise? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the, the crypto sector has kind of driven quite a lot of innovation in, in the due diligence space, and particularly the sort of KYC end to things, um, the, the, the sort of high volume onboarding processes that exchanges have to go through because now that the regulations say, okay, you need to know who your customer is, um, there's also requirements to know where their funds came from. Mm -hmm. And because of the fact that, and this is a, this is a, this is a sort of misnomer about what you just said about how people, the perception of crypto is that it's it's a place where money launderers and, and fraud thrives. Um, while that m might be the case that money laundering and, and fraud does happen, um, it's, in my opinion, it's almost crazy to try and to try and conduct fraud fraudulent activities through through crypto because we can just trace the transactions. I mean, it's quite clear what happened recently with Twitter and a Twitter hack. I mean, within within a matter of days, firstly, those funds are going to be nigh on impossible to exit scam through an off ramp and exchange. Uh, but but within a matter of days, you know, the law enforcement had the guys that did it. And I suspect that's because of the because of the ability to check the blockchain, see the transactions and then ultimately go to exchanges, be it Coinbase or anyone else, to find out who was behind those accounts. Um, so I think I think that actually in terms of due diligence and the way that cryptocurrency sector has approached it, there, there's there is a, a there is driven a, a, a new subsection of service providers that, that deploy technology to help these companies. And actually it can be used in a wider wider uh, sense and application because you know, um, being able to figure out how to onboard a customer and their funds and check thoroughly that they're okay um, has obviously obvious uses more broadly. And it isn't just going to be, you know, what we do for our, our larger product projects is, is plenty of public records, research, speaking to people, which is obviously really important in some aspects. Mm. But, um, having the ability to um, plug into an API and have these things run um, without too much human intervention certainly creates, um, certainly makes things much easier for companies to to assess their customers and assess the risks attached to their customers as well. That, that's absolutely fascinating. I think this is one of those interesting developing areas where actually uh, the, the, there's a lot to be seen before. And it's been absolutely fantastic to be having you on and, and fascinating to listen to you. Um,
great, great to hear about your business a bit and, and kind of what, what's new and what's developing. If anyone listening ever wants to talk to Henry directly, his email address is Henry Bar- is hbarrows at alico.com. That's H-B-U-R-R-O-W-S at A-L-A-C-O dot com. Henry, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers.